Welcome to Across the Margin, the podcast. I am your host, Michael Shields. Across the Margin, the podcast is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Head over to OsirisPod.com to check out the amazing array of podcasts they have to offer. That is OsirisPod.com. In this episode, I present to you an interview with a founding member of the seminal groove band group, the Grey Boy All-Stars, organ, keyboard, and synth virtuoso Robert Walter. Robert is a dynamic and prolific musician who splits his time between his own 20th Congress, the Grey Boy All-Stars, and a robust film soundtrack career in Los Angeles. Initially formed as the backing band for Rare Groove Luminary DJ Grey Boy, the Grey Boy All-Stars became a long-term project for Robert with a string of critically acclaimed albums and world tours. The band quickly became home to some of the most revered players in the modern music scene, and their success served as a platform for the band's individual members to launch highly successful and substantially diverse solo careers. The Grey Boy All-Stars featured a rotating crew of brilliant improvisers and genre-bending musicians over the years, including Stanton Moore, Joe Russo, Will Bernard, Simon Lott, Victor Little, Chris Alford, Scott Metzger, Andy Hess, and John Kimmock. They recently released an album entitled Get a Job, music from the original broadcast series Soul Dream, which lies at the heart of this episode. Originally aired as Soul Dream, a four-part episodic series on Nugs.net in the summer of 2021, Get a Job is a 10-song set of unique, never-before-released covers that have become an integral part of the band's famed live sets for nearly three decades. Songs by artists such as Gene Amand, Jill Scott Heron, Sonny Stitt, George Harrison, Gary Bartz and Langston Hughes, Dr. Lonnie Smith, and Burt Bacharach and Hal David, just to name a few. Before we dive into the interview, let's listen to a bit of one of the songs off the album. Here's Got to Get Me a Job.
always prolific, Robert released another album this year, a solo effort called Better Feathers that is absolutely tremendous. I'm a huge fan of this one. We discussed the album in our interview, but I really want to give you a taste of it before we get into that. So this one is called Bloodstar off of Better Feathers. this episode, me and Robert discuss how Get a Job emanated from the four-part episodic series Soul Dream, while we are also conversing on how Robert and the Grey Boy All-Stars decide upon the songs they choose to cover. We go back in time to celebrate the genesis of the Grey Boy All-Stars, celebrating the famed Wednesday night shows at the Green Circle Bar in San Diego, where it all began. We discuss Robert's excellent solo album, the aforementioned Better Feathers, We talk about how he became a part of Mike Gordon from Fish's band and what it's going to mean for him to return to Jazz Fest to play this year and and a whole lot more. So I have no doubt you will enjoy this interview with Robert Walter. Cross the margin. Cross the margin. podcast how's it going though good real good good 
I feel everyone uh, everyone feeling better you're back on the road now right yeah um well we we were back for the weekend and then everybody came home and then i leave for new orleans tomorrow oh it's good yeah you guys finished up at uh tiptina's right yeah that's yeah. the yeah that, that's the last date of this run um yeah until i was uh, some stuff in the fall but i was at the brooklyn bull show the uh the first one so it was so great I, I haven't seen you guys in a while and i always forget how uh fun and exciting it, is. it was really really great that was was that the one where it, things halted after that for a little bit um we no we finished the run on the east coast so it ended up being two nights at brooklyn bowl yeah philly and then dc oh that's right you did go down philly and yeah. dc that's right great great so um i'm excited to talk about the album it's really really great get a job and uh i was wondering if we could kind of start with talking about how it came to be um my guess is the the subtitle of it, um, music from the original series Soul Dream, has something to do with kind of the creation and the idea behind the album. So, what is the idea behind the album? Well, basically, so we we um, while everything was locked down and um, we had you know we had canceled gigs and nobody was really doing much, so we decided we'd do we get together and play, um, but we wanted to do something a little more interesting than just film a show and sort yeah. of live stream. Regular that. stream. Yeah. So we sort we set up in, in uh, Elgin Park's studio and ha did multiple cameras and recorded it, you know, like we would like as if we were making an album. Mm -hmm. And then we had little themes for each episode. It was like a four part thing. And one of them we did the whole Town Call Earth record. Um, and one of them we did all music from pre prestige records. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. And one of them, we did like a mixture of covers that we've done over the years. Um, and there's for, over the years, we've always talked about doing a covers record because a big part of our show is we'll mm -hmm. play our original music, but we always do three or four things a set that are sort of things that have influenced us. Yeah. Mostly, you know, mostly when my philosophy about cover versions is not to take famous songs and do them unless mm -hmm. you can find a way to reinterpret it. but more yeah. turn people on to music that maybe is lesser known or something. Yeah, so. I've definitely been introduced to songs through your guys' covers for sure. Right on. So yeah, yeah, like so we're everybody collects records and we're always digging for like weird stuff to get into. So anyway, we always wanted to do a record of all the stuff that's in our sets that mm -hmm. fans request, but you could never get a version of um, on an album. So it just happens to be two of the shows we did were focused on covers and we took the best of those and made them into an album. Awesome. So that, that's got a job. Yeah, that's why they, so those are the Soul Dream concerts. Are those still up? Those, I, I wasn't aware of them at the time. It sounds awesome. I think you can still watch them at Nugs. Okay. I think so. Yeah, I'll check I'm that not out. Sure. If, if not, I'm sure we'll do a, like a revival at some point. <laughs> they were cool. <laughs> I mean, it was interesting. Like we hadn't played together for, you know, about a year when we did those prior to that yeah yeah so um but we did rehearsals and it was it was cool to kind of like brush the dust off i would love to redo it now that we're like firing on all sides i'm fired up and playing together and all things it's I was weird, like yeah the band gets so much better after playing even just a few nights and then the more you do it you get kind of hooked on like what's yeah. going to happen next you know the, uh -huh. the the quality goes through the roof sort of um Love that. Love that. I'm curious, though, and you just said that, you know, there was some time between looking at, you know, your discography, there's, there is, you know, some large gaps between some of the albums, you know, between uh, 
what happened in, in Inland Empire, that's 07 to 13. Then, um, you know, come with the All-Stars, which is such, so great. But that's 13 to 20. I'm curious. Yeah, it's just, really not a very prolific group. Um, <laughs> you know, we, I was curious, I though, what, what, what is it that compels you to actually get together? Who, who makes that call? What is the idea to get into? I mean, but also you guys have so many other projects going on as well. So that's kind of coming up. What happened is it used to be everyone's main band back yeah. in the 90s. And yeah. we toured really hard. And, you know, for a number of reasons, we had some personnel problems or changes. And then I think everyone was just burnt. We used to play like okay. 200 days a year or it something was like just like from the road, yeah. always be out. And when we weren't out, we'd come right back from tour and then play local gigs. And it's just like wow. really intense for about five years straight. Non-stop. So at that, everybody, I think, wanted to try to do some other things. And um, and then everybody kind of went off and had these other careers. You know, um, our guitar player, Elgin Park, Mike Andrews, ended up being a big film oh. film and television composer. Oh. Yeah. I work a lot with him. I started a band. Carl started a band. Everybody yeah. was doing all these things. So we got busy. And I think in a way it actually saved the band because it made it so that when we did play together, we, we rather than sort of imploding, we sort of just took a step back, still enjoy it, still love each other's company yeah. and love to play instead of just like running it in the ground. And I, I also think it's hard to find if you're restless, like most of us are and interested in a lot of different kinds of music, it's, it's hard to have one group that sort of satisfies all your things. And if it does, it's probably going to be musically convoluted because you're trying to do all these different things. And there's something pure about the concept of Grey Boy All-Stars. It's always been about sort of um, admiring that music, that intersection of jazz and, and dance music that, that happened so so wonderfully, like in the late 60s and early 70s. And, and even though we've done things to modernize it and make it our own, that is still the template. We always go back to Grant Green Records or whatever, you know, so it's not mucked up with a bunch of like you know sort of creative flights of fancy or something <laughs> yeah you know yeah, what it's I mean? true to the what you guys are about and not bringing other ideas into it that kind of change what it is actually you know yeah. that's cool can you tell us a little bit you mentioned the coverage and you kind of nailed what it's about and what you try to do there but i love the choices of coverage here there is one that's very familiar to people the george harrison cover but the other ones I thought those were really, really great choices. Um, do you want to speak on those a little bit, the covers that are on this album? They're all things that sort of developed over a long period of time. So yeah. we didn't go in to make the record thinking like what what tunes would we do? We just, these have all been in the sets. And so they get, they get okay. added like, some of the things have been in the sets for 20 years, yeah. you know, and then some things are more recent. Um, with the I've Known Rivers, I always loved and we- So good. We had never, so Gary Bartz had been on my album Spirit of 70 mm-hmm. and I was a big we all were fans of his and then we did um, some shows at the Blue Note maybe about eight years ago or something where um, one of the nights was Gary Bartz guesting with us and we learned I've Known Rivers for that oh, cool, and cool. sort of finally got to play it we've all loved it for years yeah. but but that's where that came from so yeah. that came from a collaboration with the actual original artist yeah. and then um and then other things are just like, we like the funky tune. So a couple of the tunes like um, um, Get a Job, actually, I had on a cassette compilation. I had no idea. There was no labels. Mm-hmm. Like somebody had made me a mixtape, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. 
of Funk 45s. And I had no idea who the hardest was. And uh, it took a long, we were playing the song before we actually figured out what, what the hell it no, was. Really? <laughs> That's funny. But That's we just, I just loved it on the cassette, so we yeah. learned it one day. Loved so they're so all much. from like little things like that, you know? Yeah, loved it so much, became the uh, album title as well. Yeah. Um, I need to ask you about, I love Better Feathers too. I mean, that's your, oh, that's your awesome. most recent, I mean, that that one, a lot of the uh, soundscapes and everything on that album really, really hit me. Um, so that was, am I right? Is that a kind of a quarantine project as well? Is that when that came to life? Oh yeah, it's just, that was all made by me at my house, sort of just overdubbing stuff and messing around. And then eventually I sent tracks to my friends who were also quarantined, so the Stanton, more played on it yeah yeah the studio set up his house it was all all home recorded um separately although but there was yeah there's some guests that did their own things but most of it's just me like i recorded the piano that's right behind me here Uh with a couple of cheap mics you know it's all sort of like diy and um it was fun to do i've always made home recordings and used them as a way to demo the songs for for the the various groups or whatever But it was fun to try and like make a finished product out of it. Yeah. Would you say? I mean, these and songs. I, and I did indulge some of my stranger influences. That's and- what I was. That's where I was going to go with my next questions. There's, I mean, there's some, there's some deep grooves on. I mean, Loomis, uh, like the drum and bass feel of Security. I, I love. Um, uh, was it uh, Bloodstar? It's got like mm-hmm. deep electronic vibes. That one really gets me. And then there's this. Um, what's the hell one? Um, there's this oh, one. Oh yeah. That- um, um- Hellhound. Hellhound. It's got this chunky, chunky beat to it. And that's just really ripped. So like you were mentioning earlier how you, you know, kind of keep Grey Boy all stars pure. But it, when I was listening to this, it really felt like a lot of different ideas and different, you know, soundscapes, if you will, were really brought to the table in this and which made it real fun and, and, and different and energetic in a different way. Yeah, it's, it's sort of dealing with what you have. So like when you if you can play with the, I love playing with band and putting people in the same room and sort of letting it happen and be real naturalistic mm-hmm. about it. Um, I always call that like, that's sort of like documentary style record making. Yeah. You know, the, the jazz concept, like you set up in a room, put up some mics, play, maybe overdub a tambourine to mm-hmm. freshen it up or something, but it's pretty much a pure thing. So, so the one, the one thing that I had was time. Yeah. And, um, and, so I did it layer by layer and spent a lot of time. And I, I grew up with electronic music and hip hop and sample based yeah. productions and getting into all of that kind of stuff. So I'd always, that's always been part of my um, background, but in Great Boy All-Stars, we dealt with that by, so, you know, hip hop people were sampling all these great old blue notes and stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in the 90s. So we'd go find the sample and then find the whole record. And then you'd be like, oh, it's Lou Dawson and Ode to Billy Joe. And yeah. then you listen to the rest of the record and get into who are those sidemen? Oh, Melvin Sparks is on this. And, you know, Idris Muhammad, whatever. So it all came from that. And, but actually that group's really related to that whole, you know, record digging sample based, yeah. the, 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 what was happening in modern music at the time, yeah. even though it seems like our main thing is 60s music. It's through the filter of that. So, yeah, anyway, this is the way that I I did all that. I always love synthesizers and weird sounds, oh, sort of studio trickery. So <laughs> yeah, 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 makes sense. You hear it and all there. Um, so I dove into both of the albums right away because I really want to focus on those and just kind of point listeners to it. But I just know our listener base, and you know, we always feature people across different walks of life. We talk to directors, 
you know, musicians and, and activists, everything. So there's a lot of listeners who listen to, you know, not, or not just music here for all the music based stuff. So might not be familiar exactly. Um, to me, Grey Boy All Stars being a huge music fan, it's kind of almost always existed. When I got in like to music in the 90s, I was able to just jump on and see you guys all the time. Like you said, you were playing all the time. But I would like, if you, if you don't mind, I'd love, um, and I feel a lot of inter- listeners would be interested to hear kind of how it came to be. It's interesting. I mean, not only, you know, coming out of uh, San Diego, but the idea of uh, being the backing band for DJ Greyboy, if you could speak on, I know it's touching back, kind of the cliff note session, uh, you know, version, but of how it all, all came to be for you guys. I know it's changed over time and grown and, and things like that, but I think it'd be a fun thing to, to, to hear about real quick. Yeah, so so there, DJ Greyboy in San Diego, he was, he he started off as, you know, like a, he was like a scratch DJ, like really good, mm-hmm. you know, sort of was acclaimed for that. And he had made a couple like sort of more, more like electro records. But then mm-hmm. he became interested in collecting jazz albums and, and he made an album called Freestyling that was sort of sample, sample based breakbeat hip hop kind of production with jazz soloists mm-hmm. improvising on it which people at the time were calling acid jazz, that, yeah, that yeah. scene. And there were some people in England doing similar things. Mm-hmm. And then he had a record release party, but he was so in- interested in the live band thing from listening to these records that he's like, let's, instead of me just playing beats, let's have a band perform the songs. Pretty novel at the time too. Yeah. So we, so we all got together and did that. And it, I was interested in instrumental music anyway, and mm-hmm. sort of what, things that were more abstract than like rock band singing songs, you know, like Mm -hmm. which is my interest in jazz and Latin music and a bunch of other things that sort of, sort of were electronic things. So anyway, um, so we played and the chemistry was like so great instantly. Mm. It's like one of those rare things It's happened a couple of times in my life where for some reason you put people in a room and like from the first note of the rehearsal, it just feels good and everyone's laughing and everything flows and, and they just had this thing. Some of us had known each other before, but some of us hadn't. And it just happened to gel. Wow. So we had so much fun at that first gig and first rehearsal that we were like, well, let's book some gigs. And then it just kind of had a life of its own. Yeah. It wasn't, we didn't have any particular career ambitions. Like mm-hmm. everyone thought it was like a side fun, weird thing to do, yeah. like a hobby <laughs> kind of group. That's cool. That's so cool um, thinking about where it's become with that idea yeah. that there wasn't an intention. Yeah. And even... The growth of it wasn't really intentional. We just would play and it was so fun. And then people started coming and we're like, holy shit, people are actually coming to the gigs, you know? And, and it sort of like built up a thing. We had a, we had a standing Wednesday night gig um, downtown San Diego. Where, where? I live there. Cool for, at, the, at the Green Circle Bar. Yeah, yep, yep. Downtown. And um, it had been Grey Boy's gig, DJ Grey Boy's gig. Um, so he put the band on. So he would spin first, usually like jazz records, actual you know, sort of more straight ahead jazz records. Mm-hmm. Then we play a set of, of folk, say we into more like jazz funk and funk records and funk 45s. And then we play a second set. And after that, he played hip hop that had sampled all these sort of things. So it had this great flow of a night. Yeah. But it was cool because it was on Wednesday. So to come out to that gig on Wednesday and stay out to two in the morning, you had to be hardcore in, into yeah. it. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy, uh, easy thing for people to do. Was um, so it became a scene. Yeah. yeah. It became like a, a sort of a deep, scene of people that really 
love that music. So. That's awesome. And then it's so great to think about how that's just, it's gone through all the years. It just shows how special of a project it really was. And you were right to have that inclination right away. I mean, it's still thriving in a really, really beautiful way, which is good. And some of the songs from those original Green Circle days are on that Get a Job album. You know, wow. some like things like Smoking at Tiffany's or, you know, like we had been, we've been playing those the whole time. Wow. That's first. It's like on the first mixtape that we like. <laughs> they finally started. got their chance to get on an album too after yeah. all these years. That's great. Um, it's just I got uh, uh, Mike Gordon on the mind spending a few days um, in the garden the last few days. I know you're in his band now. Um, yeah. How did uh, how did that come to be? I don't know that story of how you linked up with Mike. Had you been playing with Mike previously? Is that something? Did he reach out? Just want you to be a part of the band? So those guys... A number of the guys in Fish would would come to our shows if we played in Burlington, or maybe uh -huh. they had a night off in a place. And you know, um, those guys are all pretty good about being interested in the younger bands and things yeah. that are are happening. And I think we were so outside of that scene that it was maybe interesting too, because we weren't really like we weren't like an improvising rock band, like it's totally. like what you think of as a traditional jam band. Although we played to those audiences because they liked it, because the set lists change and we improvised. Yeah. But it's it's coming Careful. from a different place. Yeah. So um, it's really just coming from a jazz and black music oriented thing rather than like a, a you know hard rock yeah. <laughs> influence or whatever that is, you know, yeah. or or bluegrass or any of that mm -hmm. stuff. It's coming from more like a soul music thing. Anyway, um, but those guys would all come, and Mike would come and um, say hi at the shows, and so I had known him sort of peripherally, and then he called me kind of out of the blue to play on one of his um Solo. on one of his albums which yeah. is overstep overstep yeah beautiful um and i wasn't in the band but i had come in to do the session mm -hmm. and we had a great time at that and then i went to go see him at halloween in vegas because i had an after show and he's mm -hmm. like would you ever consider playing in my band because i'm switching cool. everything i said yeah let's do it so it was it's been real interesting real different for me um it's it's really improved my skills because it's oh, yeah. so outside of my comfort yeah. zone so i learned a whole new language you know that's great i feel it's i, I, I the last one i saw was at the 9 30 club just a couple of years ago right before things went down i feel those shows are just getting better and better too you guys are kind of clicking it's as sort of, it has developed over time when i first started doing it i was like this is the most confusing thing I've ever. I, you know, I agree. So as a fan, yeah. as and a then, fan, I feel like it's become such a more cohesive thing in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah it started to be a band like everybody kind of put their thing on it and became more confident. And yeah, so. definitely, definitely. So, um, you guys are on the road. You get to play Tiptina's. How's it going to feel to be back at Jazz Fest after all? That's going to be a pretty special uh, uh, weekend coming up, right? I'm nervous and excited. I'm, you know, yeah. I never can. I always have a week where I can't don't sleep well because it's. To me, that's like my Christmas and New Year's and everything. It's the that's big, it. yeah, the big yearly event. That's the holidays. We did yeah. do a little mini version in October with, with a lot of the we we a lot of the groups played sort of shows. So some of the same shows. So I played Tips and DBA and yeah. like did did the same kind of like a lighter schedule, but <laughs> a little mini version in October, which is good because that kind of. Well, it taught me to learn the music. Yeah. <laughs> music, yeah. so I'm not like I'm not like three years away from all this tunes. So yeah. that was good, and it was just cool to see the city and play play again. Yeah. You know, yeah, totally. Every year that? it's been coming around, and then it gets canceled, and everyone's like, "Oh man!" I know, I know. Everyone makes the plans, but it's been a dagger. It's it's gonna go forward though. This time, it's gonna be exciting for a lot of people. When um, 
I love the players in um, your other band, 20th Congress. That's just what a, what a grouping. You guys have anything on the docket or any plans or anything there? Nothing right um, now. It's, yeah. I'm sort of like taking a time to, to sort of focus on the gray boy thing. Yeah. Um, and then I have a couple of different projects with Eddie Roberts from new master sounds. Oh, wow. So we recorded an album with, with Chris Stillwell from gray boy all-stars and then mm -hmm. Zach Nader, who was the original drummer in gray boy all-stars mm -hmm. and now plays with Carl's band, tiny universe. Yep. So we did a quartet record. It's yeah. sort of right up that alley of, of boogaloo music and, and, you know, old like soul jazz and stuff. Um, and then we also, I started working on a project with George Porter Jr. and um, oh, wow. Eddie Roberts and Nick Gillespie um, that we record in Iceland. <laughs> so, so um, wait, how did, how did that come that's, that's probably a year off because we're going to have guests and add horns to it and stuff. Oh, cool. Cool. But a great, um, you know, it's a great opportunity. Whenever I'm a huge Meters fan, and yeah. that's sort of like my ultimate. Like some people would feel about the Beatles or the Rolling uh -huh. Stones. For me, the Meters is the one. So playing with George, I, I get to play with any of those guys. It's a great honor. Yeah, that's cool. It's I mean, it's it's awesome hearing about all your different projects and all you're involved in. I honestly didn't know where to start or how much I could bounce around here asking you everything because you're involved in so much. But uh, it's really really great to talk to you. It's a thrill. I, I've been watching you play for years now, and uh, and uh, also put, you know shine a light on this album. It's really it's really great. It's so danceable. It's so fun. And. Uh, it was great to see it live and it was great to talk about. It. So I appreciate the time, Robert. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you. podcast is in the loop the legion of osiris podcasts osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love get in the loop at osirispod.com